Welcome to Let's Talk About Development, a podcast from HDRI, a youth-led think tank dedicated to policy research and facilitating debate in the field of human development. On each episode of Let's Talk About Development, we talk to researchers and practitioners about development issues and how we can work together to advance social change. Today is our first episode, and we're going to talk about the issue of sexual assault on campus. We have two guest speakers with us, Lara and Lilu, who are both researchers at HDRI and graduate students at Sanspo. Hi, Lara and Lilu. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hi. To begin with, can you introduce yourselves and tell us about your background and your role at HDRI? Lara, let's start with you. So thank you. Uh, I'm Lara and I'm from Morocco and uh, I am in my second year in master's in international security at Sciences Po. During my bachelor, I studied in the Poitiers campus of Sciences Po. So it was the Latin American campus. And I was the member of the feminist and queer association there as well. And uh, I am currently the research coordinator for the gender equity team at HDRI. So hi, I'm Lilu, I'm French. I'm currently a master's student on Agapier. Uh, I'm studying at the School of Public Affairs and I studied at uh, the Paris campus um, at Sciences Po. I was a member of uh, a double diploma with another university. And now I'm HGRI, I'm uh, the research coordinator for migration and security. And I'm also an activist, a feminist activist. I'm a member of GAS which is the intersectional uh, feminist group in Paris campus. Uh, and we are in uh, non-mixity. Great. So for today's discussion, we will start with the biggest scandal this year, which is the Hamed case. For the people who don't know, Olivier Duhamel, one of France's most high-profile political scientists and media commentators, was accused of sexually abusing his stepson. After the scandal was revealed, he resigned from his job at the Fondation Nationale de Sciences Politique, which oversees and finances Sciences Po. Following this, Sciences Po President Cédric Nyon also resigned due to his errors of judgment in the treatment of the allegations and the inconsistencies in his reaction. I'd like to know what is your reaction to the Duhamel case and how do you feel about the resignation of President Nyon? Lily, I will start with you. Yes. So first, I think it's important to stress that Frédéric Nyon did not resign straight away. It took quite quite a bit of activism on the part of students at Sciences Po, on the part of organizations, but also a lot of media pressure for, for him to resign. And I think we have this discourse of from specific organization that was alleging that uh, Frédéric Nyon was going to end up resigning. I don't think that's the case. I, re- I really truly believe that he resigned due to the activism of students, the relentless activism. We, for two, for almost a month, we, we did not stop protesting. We did not stop contacting the media. We did not stop uh, putting the pressure on uh, Sciences Po administration and on Frédéric Nyon for him to resign. And I really think that's what did it. So, of course, uh, there were, there will be some people who do not agree with me. But um, I truly believe that it's a case of activism, you know, reaching a goal and 
it was very satisfying to see him resign, even though the fight is not won yet, because we what we want, really, is basically a revolution uh, on the way we, we treat sexual harassment and sexual violence at Sciences Po. So a more systemic change. Yeah, and did you join the protest? Yes, I did. I'm a member of GARS, and the organization was putting pressure on Prédignon to resign, so we we co-signed a letter that was published in uh, Libération, and we organized the protest. Okay, and what about you, Lara? Um, so I totally agree with Lilou and I think that we really need a systemic change and it's a good thing that he resigned eventually, but it's clearly thanks to, as she said, activism. Uh, it's not enough and this is just the beginning, honestly, but we can learn a lot from the Duhamel case and from the resignation of Mion. I think that it really helps us understand like the entire system of Sciences Po and of the political elites in France. And I feel like it's a good model of what is happening in France in general. The image and the reputation of Sciences Po is really important. And that's why Mion didn't want to resign. And that's why we they treat so poorly sexual harassment and uh, sexual violence at Sciences Po because they really care about their reputation. And what happened with UML was really overwhelming just because a lot of testimonies of incest got out after that. And I feel like it's very powerful because sexual violence and rape in general is already hard for victims to talk about just because they fear that they won't be uh, trusted and that they won't be believed or whatever. But for incest is even worse, especially for the Dremel case when it's inside a family and it's something that happened a really long time ago. And so the book La Familia Grande, I think, helped a lot. Yeah, as I said, this is only the beginning and I really hope that this will only show us the path to a systemic and radical change in the political elite and in institutions such as Sciences Po. Yes, definitely. It's really important that we have this kind of student activism. And also speaking of the student activism, under the hashtag SoundsBook, we have recently been hearing stories and testimonies of gender-based and sexual violence across Sciences Po campuses. And I was wondering, have you ever heard about it? And what's your reaction to road story? Also, the hashtag, I think, started like a month ago. And also, like, very important, it was not the first hashtag to start after the GML case. There was the hashtag MeTooIncest and then the hashtag uh, MeTooGay. And uh, then there was Sciences Po. Uh, the hashtag was started after a, a testimony from someone at Sciences Po Bordeaux and then another testimony from someone at Sciences Po Toulouse and it sort of spread uh, like wildfire because there were a lot of things to be said. I do want to stress also as well that last year at Sciences Po Paris, I don't know uh, regarding Poitiers, but we had a whole movement, let's say, of testimonies on uh, Facebook groups and those testimonies we had like a hundred or something were not addressed by the administration so there, there were testimonies of sexual violence at Sciences Po within Sciences Po by Sciences Po professors or by students of Sciences Po and we had no response basically. I mean I'm very happy to see the hashtag and I think it's very useful but I, I wish that something had been done last year by the administration to address this. 
Yeah, definitely. This lack of reaction is a huge problem for example right now. Oh, but maybe I can stress. Um, but so I don't know if it's very clear, but so basically, suppose in France because we have several uh, Sciences Po, and um, the movement that I was talking to you about was specifically uh, in Paris. Okay, thank you. And Lara, would you like to tell us more about your experience at Sciences Po Regional Campuses? First of all, just to come back to what Lilou said, I agree that Sciences Po could react early and we all know what is happening for years. And I feel like we can even feel it more on small campuses such as Poitiers. We were classes of like a hundred students. So everything was known. We all knew each other. We all knew the administration and the administration knew us. Um, and so we were all aware of what was happening. And I'm pretty sure that the professors and the admin knew when people were sexually harassed or raped and they just didn't want to really see it or to face what was happening. And I feel like that's a huge problem. And yes, I'm really glad that the hashtag Sciences happened. But now we really need to have uh, a discussion with the administration. And for now, they are denying what is happening and they are saying that there is defamation or whatever. And they really need to hear their students because this is a structural problem. And uh, yeah, to talk more about um, regional campuses. So basically Sciences Po, uh, they have different regional campuses uh, concentrating in different regional areas. And uh, I was in one of the smallest, smallest campuses and there is this huge culture of rape or um, culture du viol. Uh, it's very present in Paris and it's present in Poitiers as well. And uh, there's there's this feel that if you're raped or if you're sexually harassed, you are isolated and you're alone and you can't really trust anyone to talk to and you don't have anyone to turn to. You don't really have a psychologist on campus. You don't have a doctor. You don't have any contact. So if you don't really have close friends, you're basically on your own. And that's what happened for a lot of my friends and for a lot of people. And uh, that's a problem that we really need to discuss. And if you want to get to the administration and to actually announce what happened to you, you need to take the train and go to Paris and hope that they will hear you. And that's not possible. We are totally isolated on our small campuses and that's even worse for victims. So that really needs to be raised. Yeah, I totally get your point because I was also in the house campus and it's a really small campus and a lot of time people like just victims or even the witness are afraid to speak up because they're hope to integrate and don't want to be isolated. And especially this kind of event usually happen at the beginning of the school year, especially during the integration week when we have a lot of parties involves alcohol. And yeah, I think we really need to find solutions to deal with this problem. Do you have like anything in your mind that might like address this type of problem? Well, I mean, the first step, it won't be enough, but the first step would be to form students, right? Because uh, when I started Sciences Po, so that was five years ago, I had like one video shown to me about consent. You know the video where, where they compare consent to tea? And um, that's not enough to to just form people and to, to make them aware that um, what is rape, what is uh, sexual assault, what they should not be doing. You know, that we need really to talk 
to students more about the kind of things. Uh, how do you make a party safe? How do you make sure that you are respecting the consent of others? And those are really important points that are not addressed by, by Sciences Po. So the first step would be basically to have like the uh, forming student like at the beginning of the year and maybe to, to be doing that each year or at least once in bachelor and one a, once in uh, during their master's degree because those are important topics. Those like we get a few hours formation on how to research books at the library. We should be getting at least as much as much information on sexual assault and rape. That's the, the starting point. Another point would be to talk to the potential perpetrators of sexual violence, because right now all of the awareness campaign is aimed at victims. So what you should be doing, and there's not a lot of awareness raised on that as well, but it's like, what do you do when you're when you rape? Basically, you, you call the monitoring unit, right? I don't see anything about how you should not be raping people. You know, and that's really what we should be doing, addressing potential perpetrators as well as victims. Yes, that's a really good point. Anything to add, Laura? Yeah, I totally agree about the training of students because I had a few friends who were sexually assaulted uh, during my two uh, first years in bachelor and we were 18 and we didn't even know what rape was. I realized what a rape was technically just a few years ago and you don't really know how to react when you're 17 or 18 so I feel like a lot of people are just lost and they don't really know how to react or even realized that you were raped and that's a huge thing that we need to be aware of when we're getting uh, during our first year to Sciences Po and maybe also training the administration and the professors. I don't know how we can actually organize it in Paris because it's a huge uh, institution, but I feel like it's possible on regional campuses at least. And when you go to your director or to a professor, they need to have a certain answer. They need to be helpful and not just not be there you know what i mean so i feel like there's not enough training uh in, from the administration they need to listen to the associations as well they need to have like more open debates or discussions with the students and ask them what do you need what is the problem and how can we actually solve it and not just doing stuff on their own because there's a lack of communication and um for the regional campuses we really need to add more um, support groups and psychologists on campuses because we like that. For Poitiers, we actually created our own hashtag, Sciences Po Poitiers. And we actually have an Instagram page where we publish testimonies. And we were thinking of also uh, putting in place support groups in the campus just because, as I said before, you are isolated, you were raped, you don't really know where to go and who to talk to, even your friends, maybe they won't, they won't really understand what happened to you. And what a problem, I mean, what I heard from all the testimonies that I was reading is that they were on their own and they were isolated. So I feel like a support group that can be safe and only with girls, I mean, non-mixed, uh, that would be just a huge thing already. So yeah, a lot of things can be done, I feel. Yeah, I agree. 
on everything that she just said. Yeah, I think the support groups definitely really help for it and it can apply to other campuses or even other institutions. But I think Sciences already have unit called La Salut de Coup et d'Accompagnement, which is a confidential listening and support service to raise awareness of gender-based and sexual violence and also to support its victims. So I was wondering, have you heard about it before and do you know how it works? So the unit is... Um I mean, I wouldn't say that the unit is focused on raising awareness on those questions. I really think that it's aimed at being a, a space where students maybe can be listened to and talk about um, what happened to them. And after a while, report um, their assault, basically. So at GASP, we have our own monitoring unit cell, and if we created it, obviously it's, be- it's because we thought that the the monitoring need that Sciences Po was uh, lacking. There's a lot of systemic problems uh, that are not especially due to the people who manage this unit, but more to the lack of resources, for example, the lack of awareness available, to the lack of people, to uh, the very long procedure, to the lack of communication around it as well, and there's a lot of other, other stuff. But basically, the monitoring unit is not adapted. It's a very long process to, to report what happened to you. So you first uh, reach out to the cell and they will be, it will be a space to where you can be listened to. So it's not a, a disciplinary uh, procedures, right? It's only after that that you can start the disciplinary procedures. And the unit cannot start the procedure, uh, the disciplinary procedures on their own. They need uh, the aid of the director of the UP, of Sciences Po Director, basically. And so that, that's a lot of time, of uh, effort, of wasted energy put on the people who are reporting a sexual assault. And that's very much discouraging for them, usually. So your suggestion is to simplify the process and provide more resources to the victims? Not exactly. We have specific recommendations based on a monitoring unit. But one of the, our main recommendations, and I think the, the, the thing that can be implemented the most easily is to raise resources, right? To, to have more people working specifically at the monitoring unit. Because right now, uh, the person that are working for the monitoring unit, they're also doing other jobs. So they have other functions. So they can't be only working for that. We want it to be more identifiable. So, you don't um, know precisely the identity of the people who are act, um, members of the monitoring unit beside the identity of Amidwin, who is the basically person for gender equality at Sciences Po, the, the person to, um, I don't know her exact function. I think she's the uh, equality reference. And she may be doing great. She may uh, be really putting efforts into what she's doing, but she can't do it on her own. That's it. That's the problem. Yeah. And do you want to add anything, Laha? I totally agree with what was just said. And I also heard a lot of things from people who actually tried to reach out to this monitoring unit. And a lot of them were not happy with how they experienced that. I mean, they 
sometimes they need to talk to many people and so they have to repeat like three, four, five times the same speech about how they were, uh, about their experience basically. And in the end, there is not a lot of repercussions, especially on the aggressors. And um, a lot of people were afraid that there's not, uh, they were afraid that there's not anonymity they're not anonymous and that the monitoring unit is linked to the administration and they just don't trust this unit because they are afraid that the administration uh, in Paris will be aware and that they will know their name. And so they don't really trust it. And the psychologist as well, they feel like uh, they are not anonymous sometimes. And that's something that is worrying. And um, yeah, I, I heard a lot of things about uh, how they treat students and uh, I heard a friend who went to the monitoring unit person and uh, she talked about her experience and everything and she answered that she felt like her boyfriend just really loved her very much and that she was exaggerating and that's something that cannot happen and I feel like we need to trust them we need to trust that we will be anonymous that when we will talk to them we'll actually have a list of resources and things to do and she just went to Paris for nothing and she came back and nothing was done. They told her that they will reach out to her and that they will give her the name or the phone number of someone who could follow her her case and nothing was done and that's a problem. And um, yeah, I mean, for me uh, personally, I was uh, raped two years ago and it wasn't in the Poitiers campus, but still. And I briefly thought of reaching out to the administration, but then I heard so many things about my friends and how it was actually very violent and traumatizing going there and talking to them and nothing was done that I never even thought of actually going to the monitoring unit at Sospo. And I feel like going to the monitoring unit at GAS, for example, is a little bit safer just because there are students and they actually have resources. And so that really needs to change because they pride themselves, I mean, some people pride themselves that they are champions of uh, equality or whatever, but in reality, there are still a lot of problems. And maybe just to complete on the monitoring unit, because I don't feel like I've been very clear, but the members of the monitoring unit, right? It's uh, so the gender equality supervisor, so Mingrin, uh, who I talked about before, there, there are medical officers. Um, of a Sciences Po Health Center, so psychologists, for example. There are studies and education managers and teaching managers. So those people are potentially not uh, trained to handle sexual assault uh, and sexual harassment case. And there are, there's also the social workers, uh, Sciences Po social worker, who, who's a member. And so if you... The monitoring unit, as I said before, is not a disciplinary body, but it's unclear if you're able to start a disciplinary procedures with, without going through the monitoring unit first. And, and I think it's unclear for a lot of students. And as Lara said before, um, she didn't even want to go to the monitoring unit from what she's heard. There's also a lot of students who do not even know that the monitoring unit um, is available to them. Um, I did not during my bachelor's science school that there was a monitoring unit. And I was in Paris where it's more easily accessible. So I feel like if you're on a regional campus, you might not even know as well. 
that there's a managing unit and also once again the managing unit is based in Paris. So what do you do when you're on on on, on Nancy campus, for example, at Poitiers, or when you're at the Havre? What do you do? Do you just take the train or it's very unfit to handle such cases? I agree. I didn't know it as well when I was in Hans. And even now when I try to search for it, it's all in French. So it's kind of hard for any non-French speakers to assess to this monitoring unit. And I was wondering for your previous experience, Laha, when your friends did try to reach to this monitoring unit, was it all in French or they also speak English to you? So my friends, they did speak French. So there wasn't a problem, but I do really feel that there is also the language barrier that is a problem. And even around this Sciences Po movement and everything, I feel like a lot of resources are in French. And even like to understand uh, the Duhamel uh, case and everything, you really need to be aware of what is happening in France and to be aware of the French institution. And yeah, I feel like it's harder for students who are just in exchange and they're there for only six months. So maybe they don't even think of going to the unit if they know that it's that it exists. Or even at PSIA, for example, where everybody is from a different country, from foreign country, most of students don't speak French. Um, I know that a lot of people don't really understand what is happening right now. So I feel like we need to put a lot of effort to include people who are not French speakers as well. So yeah, I don't, I don't know for the monetary unit if someone speaks English there, but if even the people who speak in French are not super efficient, I'm not really sure if the English one will be. Yeah, yeah, language barrier is definitely a big problem for this monitoring unit. And also just want to comment on your previous comments. Yeah, uh, it was really brave of you to speak out and I really respect that. And just speaking about the discussion of sexual abuse and sexual violence, there seems to be a stigma or we're really afraid to speak out to other people, especially in public. So I was wondering how can we increase discussion about gender violence, both as a college and international issue? This is a very broad question. The first thing that comes to mind is that, I mean, I'm surrounded with feminists and from women who are super engaged and activists. So it's very hard to um, take a step back and see what other people actually think of this. And when you're super engaged in this, you feel like everybody is aware of what is happening, but I feel like a lot of people are not even aware. And I was during the Sciences Po movement, I was kind of thinking of the role of my friends who are men. And I feel like men really need to be involved more. Uh, not, I mean, taking our place and not speaking in our place, but just being an ally is absolutely not enough. And calling yourself feminist is not enough. Uh, maybe you can call out your friends who tell a sexist joke. Maybe you can call out when when you are seeing that there's a sexual harassment in front of you, you don't need to be afraid to actually like call out your other male friends because you're supposed to be the privileged one. So supposedly your voice has an impact on your peers. So I feel like really men need to step up and share the testimonies and be there for their uh, female friends who actually talk to them and they also need to get more involved in I don't know if we organize workshops they need to know how to react when a friend of theirs comes to them and 
seeks for help, they need to be involved as well. And it's not enough just calling yourself a feminist because it doesn't really matter what you call yourself. I also feel like we need like a radical change in a way that the Sciences Po system works. And currently uh, Sciences Po is protecting the aggressors and we really need a shift. We need to listen to the students and, and the administration needs to listen to the students and engage with them and ask them for recommendations. And the association actually give recommendation. They just need to actually read it and listen to it. And I don't know, like, I feel like we, we need, Sospo needs to live, live the speeches and the big image thing and actually take action. And that's still not done. So even if Mion resigned, we still have all this um, elite, the, this patriarchal white privileged elite. And I feel like there's not really a huge change. Uh, and we are happy that Mion resigned, but this is not a huge change. So yeah, we really need to change structurally everything in the Grand Ecole system. So uh, yeah, that's what comes to mind for me. So um, I also agree with what Elena just said. Um, for the stigma on sexual violence, I think we also need to keep in mind the stigma of the added stigma around incest, because this whole movement was uh, started by uh, a case of child uh, sexual abuse and incest. And so there's this added stigma and how we work together to, to make this uh, safe space for people to speak out. And another thing is, so we have people who are speaking out right now. We have this liberation de la parole, right? This uh, liberation of speech. We need to these testimonies not to go to waste. We need these testimonies to be not just heard, but actually listened to. So there needs to, there needs to be action behind this. Not just people who are speaking because they need to speak, and that's valid. They need to, they need to speak and they should be able to speak. But then we need, we need action around that. We need to make sure that this doesn't happen anymore. And that's where we need the action of the administration. And around um, what Lara said on, on men, the first step is to call out your friend who you know is a rapist or who you know is a sexist or who you know is aggressing and uh, assaulting other um, women or other people. So that's the first step. The a second step would be maybe if you know you, know, uh, you have a friend who has raped someone, maybe stop going to brunch with them or maybe stop talking to them. So that's, that's an added step. And um, I think right now we are starting to see sort of a backlash to this um, liberation of speech. So I don't know, Lara, if you agree with, agree with me, but on, on Monday we had this letter that was published in Liberation by this man who, who was basically admitting, confessing to, to rape. And this letter was published on International Women's Rights Day and so it was very uh, violent for me to see that. It was very violent for a lot of my friends to see that. And then today we had like uh, someone on a Facebook group, uh, the Inter Sciences Po group, who posted this long text on how uh, he wanted to create a group for men who are accused of sexual assault, who are falsely accused of sexual assault, or who are, who are dragged into the mud by 
women who wants to just uh, drag them down basically and destroy their reputation and like it's so annoying to be there again but I think we need to be very clear that every time we have women who are speaking up just after that we have a backlash a backlash that is coming from men and so how do we make ourselves strong enough to resist to that how do we look out for each other to see if we're still okay mentally when we see that and how do we go through that yeah i think those are the problems that we need to find answers and personally i don't really have one but i'm really surprised to hear what you just said about creating an association for men who are falsely accused wow that's shocking i mean it was a troll and the post got taken down obviously but was still very violent. See? You have people who are, you have men who basically, when they see women speaking out for like a month, they're like, okay, well, that's enough. Let me go in there and tell the feminist, oh, you're too angry. And now it's about us again. You know? Yeah, definitely. And also when the Liberation tried to like defend itself by saying that the letter was just aiming to interrogate us and take us out of our comfort zone, which is a very shocking sentence as well, like other women readers or other victims. And also, Laha, you mentioned previously that Sanspo or the institution was protecting the aggressors. Could you explain more about that? During the wave of transport, um, especially on regional campuses, I saw a lot of testimonies saying that if the victim finally has the courage to actually speak up and go to the administration, usually what they do is that they just transfer the student to another campus. It's usually the Reims campus. I don't really know why. And so there's not a lot of... Uh, repercussions for the aggressors so in a way it's I mean in a way no it is strictly uh, protecting the aggressor and even if uh, they are as dangerous he goes to another campus to harass and rape other students but in a different campus that's not possible and uh, when I was in the, the Poitiers campus there was this guy everyone knows him he sexually harassed a lot of students and during my first, the end of my first year, we published a letter to the administration uh, speaking up um, about this person. And he was clearly protected by the administration because he was uh, super uh, smart. He was doing good in class. He was uh, the captain of a sports team. Uh, he was charismatic and everyone liked him. And the administration really liked him as well. And uh, nothing happened. There was like a conseil de discipline. Basically nothing happened. And he did go happily to uh, his exchange year. Uh, and uh, then when we came back to Paris for our master's, we had to actually see him on, at, on, the, on the Paris campus. And that's traumatizing for a lot of people. I can't imagine like his victims and how can you feel seeing the person that you thought that you were um, that was I mean that you thought that the administration would expel or whatever and he's just there happily living his life that's not possible anymore so we, you have a lot of stories of uh, aggressors not being uh, expelled and not actually being celebrated also by a lot of men I mean I'm um, I was talking about the culture du viol the rape culture and 
integration weeks, they usually are made for students, men who are in their second year and they're there to basically kiss or more uh, students who are in their first year. And when you're a girl and you're only 17 or 18 and you arrive to your dream school at Sciences Po, you feel this pressure to, to please men, to please guys. And there's a lot of toxic masculinity on our campuses. And that's also a huge thing that we don't really talk about. And a lot of guys were celebrated because they had a lot of conquests or whatever, and that's not possible. And I feel like a lot of guys knew that their friends were raping, but they thought that it was normal. They thought that it was great, um, or they thought that it wasn't good, but they didn't want to say anything. And that's on toxic masculinity for sure. Yeah, it just seems like the just raising awareness is not enough for this issue. We need actions that really leads to tangible results and real change. And I guess it's a question for for us and also for the administration if they are willing to make real progress on this issue. And yeah, I think we covered almost all the questions we are going to discuss today. And I was wondering, is there any final remarks that you want to add? Uh, maybe so the administration is starting a group de travail, a work group around um, how to handle sexual assault and rape at Sciences Po and gender-based violence at Sciences Po. I really hope uh, we'll have a good results. I want something to come out of this. I want a change. I think we really need to just keep in mind the administration and to look at what they are doing and to see in three months if what they are uh, what they have done is enough and so we need not to give up and we need not to let up and that's a lot of efforts on our part consider all the free work that we are doing here the free labor the free emotional labor that we are doing because the administration is not doing or because there's not enough resources in place and uh, that's on us and I mean, we'll do it gladly. There's no one else to do it. But at one point, they, they, there's need to be resources available other than students. They, they need, uh, for, for the students themselves, for the students who provide this emotional work, this uh, free labor, but also for all of the students at some point. So I don't know if I was very clear. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And for your organization, have you tried to reach out to Soundsport and vice versa? Like, has Soundsport tried to reach out to you and to share the resources? Uh, no, we, we, we do have a, a relationship with uh, Soundsport administration. It varies uh, the warmth of the relationship, let's say. Uh, right now, uh, so this work group that has been implemented, and we are going to be auditioned for, for that uh, work group. So we'll uh, give them our recommendation, we'll give them our assessment of the system at Sciences and we'll see how, what happens. Yeah, I hope we will see some progress soon. Laura, is there anything you want to add? For me, what I'm really thinking about the Sciences Po movement and everything is that it's absolutely great that we are finally liberating uh, our speech and everything. Uh, but I feel like the victims also need a certain reparation. I don't really know how, uh, but we need a, a radical change now. And it's not enough just talking and 
talking to the students, actually the administration needs to listen and to repair because they are also kind of responsible in some way. And they really need to be more aware of their responsibility. And as for the Sciences Po Poitiers movement that we created, we uh, recently received a few responses from the administration. Some were encouraging and they said that it was, I mean, it was their fault and that they were really try to put in place the support group idea or something like that. Uh, others were very shocking and violent saying that it was a defamatory uh, movement and that uh, we weren't protecting the community and the big family house of Sciences Po. Uh, that's not an answer that we can uh, just have and we will keep fighting until they actually are aware that they are also part of the problem. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm coming back to the administration, but that's because we can always fight back and we can always create a monitoring unit that is separated from the administration. And we can always uh, put up uh, Instagram pages and with te testimonies and everything, but without the administration, we won't be able to have this change. So they really need to listen to us to us and to actually engage with us maybe one last point that i forgot to mention before it's great that Sonspo is addressing sexual and gender-based violence they need not to forget the intersectional forms of violence they need to be addressing racist uh, violence as well and they need to be addressing all forms of discrimination while keeping in mind how those different types of discrimination and those different types of oppression intersex. Uh, I'm curious, I mean, the, there's no data right now on sexual and gender-based uh, violence at Sciences Po. There's also no data on racist violence at Sciences Po. And there's definitely no data on the sexual and gender-based violence that women of color go through at Sciences Po. And that's a really a considerable blind angle that we need to address and that we need to work on that the administration need to to work on and to do that they need to actually engage with the organizations that are working the anti-racist organization at Sciences Po. so i'm thinking of pour nous they need to, to be engaging with with them as well yeah they're really the issues we need to address too and i like the remarks about keep fighting from both of you and i think it's a really great conclusion for our whole discussion keep fighting so yeah, I want to thank both of you for your time today, and it's been really encouraging to hear you speaking out against sexual abuse and also trying to make a difference for our institution and for other students. And yeah, just thank you for sharing your experience and opinion with us today. Thank you for doing this. It's a super important topic that we don't really know about, and it's the first time that I hear a thing about sexual harassment in English at Sciences Po. And I feel like it can actually be useful to uh, exchange students and foreign students who are not aware of this. So thank you. So do I, and I hope that we were able to provide uh, useful insights. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Let's Talk About Development. And thank you for listening to the HDRI podcast. If you want to know more about us and what we're doing, you can find all the information on our website and our social media account. See you at the next episode.